Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to Food for Thought, a podcast get this. We're in a multiracial mix of queer writers gather around the table to talk about sex, identity, culture, what we like to read, and who we like to read. Food for Thought. It's like Lady and the Tramp, but we're all tramps. (laughs) I'm a lady and a tramp. Give you a girl who can do both. Yes. Teebs, you are just glowing with this something. I can't put my finger on it. What is that? Oh, are you having sex with a short guy? Ah! <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Maybe get business of your own so you don't have to be in mine. All the <laughs> I am actually literally not having sex right now. It's so sad. It's been weeks. Oh, shit. Bumped the whole table. <laughs> it, it's fine. It's yeah, it's fine. Gonna be, I mean, you were having such consistent sex there for a while that I feel like you can camel for a little bit, right? Right, I yeah. do. Yeah, I love to camel. I love to store all my sexual en- energy into my hump, uh-huh. go through the sexual <laughs> desert. My hump, if you will, or <laughs> don't. So or just do not. Look. How tall is he? Um, shorter than me. <gasps> no, oh, yes. shorter, shorter than you, like Impressive. five foot one. Shorter than you, like six I guess. foot one. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's like, um, there's just like this uncanny valley that people fall into when they are all of a sudden shorter than me. It's like uh, you're like, I don't even know. You don't, don't even know. You don't see them. You know, but it's just like, Casper the friendly ghost, just <laughs> objects lifting. And I'm like, yeah. So like things are moving around, and I'm like, who did that? Ooh. Ooh. In Kumya, there's this word for um like if you anything will go missing you would say like the yupu took it and so like now that's literally happening to you where things are moving around and it's like some short person i don't know where they are it's like, the Yupus are here they came all the way from kumiai country to new york and what is it like when it when he sucks your dick and you can't see anything feels great <laughs> <laughs> it is actually team's dream to have sex with another person who's not there at no, the time yeah, the that is that is uh, so true all of my dreams are coming true you guys you're literally <laughs> gonna a fuck life. a ghost <laughs> I mean yes giving a blowjob to a ghost that was a dream that I actually literally had did you really and at first I was like incensed and then I was like Wait a minute! This is actually preferable to me. I don't want anybody <laughs> so in my bed. Like, <laughs> but the so thing is, better. the ghost could come through the wall and see you anytime it wants. You know what I mean? But I don't even know it's there. So, it, <laughs> right? Like, as long as it does its job and then goes, yeah, it's, not gonna, like, it's not going to be in my bed. You know what I mean? Mm, it's incorporeal. Mm. You think it's not there? <laughs> <laughs> On that note, uh, I am Tommy Teeps Pico, an indigenous American poet, screenwriter, and I have no gag reflex, but I will absolutely throw up when Joe does gross things. That is like all the time. 100% true. You made him gro- throw up so much. <laughs> it's like so true. I am disgusting. So true. You're disgusting. Oh, <laughs> oh it's my turn. <clears throat> I'm Fran, I'm a writer, editor, and I'm about to be bi-coastal, and 
insufferable. Like I will <laughs> never be chill about it. So prepare for the worst. I can't wait to make plans with you and then flake on each other all the time. It's going to oh be so fun. Oh my gosh. <laughs> can't oh i'm gonna miss you bitches or will i i'm oh. dennis norris a second and i'm a reader and a writer a former figure skater and i am hungry i need a snack oh somebody send me some pizza you i just watched you eat two bags of cheese <laughs> i'm still hungry wow. it did not work wow so you're saying you need a snack i need it i need a snack okay so snack and i need a snack apply to dennis's dms oh yes. Yes. dm dennis everyone also my favorite pickup line now is um did it hurt when you fell from the snack machine. Oh, <laughs> that's so funny. Yes. I is it, like that. Is it, I like it. I am Joseph Osmondson, scientist, nonfiction writer, and when I drive, I turn fully into a heterosexual dad. Yes, yes, yes. you Hashtag do. Head yes. Dad. Yes. We were on our annual Food for Thought official offsite retreat and driving <laughs> and had to stop in New Jersey where it is illegal to pump your own gas. Someone has to pump your gas for you. And as Joe tipped the guy, he said, Thanks, Thanks boss. boss. <laughs> <laughs> what? I have never oh, heard that word was. come out of your mouth before. The murderer is inside the house. Oh, and then God. I like drove and dropped everyone off at their individual subway stop and yeah. opened the trunk and gave them a hug and a kiss. Oh, my <laughs> God. The only thing that would have made it more Joe-specific head dad energy is if we had been driving a Subaru station wagon. Oh, Very true. Instead, it was a Toyota Camry. Which is still pretty head dad which is still pretty pretty head dad dad. yeah yeah speaking of head dad will you tell us what we have on the menu today yeah today we break up with the insta gays i get stuck in portland we (laughs) explode with anger and we end with the queen of all queens take it away Feeling a little peckish. <laughs> Let's start the tab of the show the way any good tab should with uh, a little tease our uproarious appetizer segment, Amuse Boosh. And to amuse our booshes this week, <laughs> Joe. Got a game? Yeah, so yeah, we all talk all the time on our group chat about like we're our dating lives and who we're talking to, and it's largely just complaining and talking mm, about yeah. why we're gonna break up with someone. That's and true. so we decided yeah. to fully <laughs> sounds very healthy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's we are formalizing this into a game, a little game called It's a No No. No. It's no. a no no. No no. <laughs> no no no. Where I list off a bunch of traits or attributes or actions and we all decide whether or not we would break up with someone for that action alone. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Are, are we ready? Are okay. we ready? Wow. Mm-hmm. Stakes are high. <laughs> Ladies, is it, is it a deal breaker if he cuts his toenails in front of you? Yes. That's that is disgusting. Stupid. Like maybe if it was like date one. Can you at the bar? At the bar. At the bar. Pulling out. I'm so sorry. Clippity clip. This is driving me nuts. No. Clippity clip. Clippity clip. This is my toenail clip song. Clippity clip. And I have now thrown up all over all of you. That is disgusting. Do that shit in private. It doesn't take that long. You can find a few minutes. Like. To just go, go to the bathroom. Scenario. Clip, yeah. Scenario. <laughs> super hot. Fuck you super good. And uh, let's say date number two, you're on the train, and he cuts his toenails on the train. Not on the train. Oh, on the train, that's a deal God. breaker. That's 
truly what gross. What if you've been with him for like 12 years and he's <laughs> totally the love of your life? The love of your life. And Christ. you're married and have kids. And then he whips out his foot on the train and starts clipping his toenails. I whip I'd... out the divorce papers that I already <laughs> had waiting in my bag. <laughs> the sort with of your, With the prenup. <laughs> no. Yeah. All right. How about if he is poor? Is that a deal breaker, ladies? He's poor. Oh. No. Dennis. Dennis! <laughs> Not at this point in my life. No, that's not a deal breaker. <laughs> this is what it sounds like when Dennis lies. <laughs> this is what it sounds like when Dennis lies. <laughs> okay, what about if he's rich? Is that a deal breaker? Yeah, is that a deal breaker? I mean, that's that is a only deal. a deal breaker. Signs deal breaker. A deal. <laughs> it's a deal. It's a deal maker. <laughs> that's a deal maker. Um, I know it's a deal breaker for you. Yeah, Joe. so that fully is a deal breaker just... for me. I can't date rich people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can. What? I, sure, until they get too intimate, and then it's a deal breaker. God well, is gonna it's curse a, you. Intimacy mm-hmm. is a deal breaker for you, teams. You, you say that now, but you are gonna get fully crazy rich agent, crazy rich Asian, and <laughs> yes. you're yes. gonna start dating someone who is secretly. Like in really? air, yep. That would yeah. be you're gonna travel exclusively it, business. You know what? Oh no. my god, my looking, worst nightmare. I, I am looking for Joe's Twitter feed during that time in his life. That's gonna be fun. Ugh. That's good. All of the cognitive dissonance. It's gonna be fun. All right, <laughs> ladies, is it a deal breaker if he lives far away and it's long distance? To echo Dennis, deal maker, deal maker. <laughs> I love me a man who is not there. Yeah. <laughs> I will just say no. It's not a deal breaker for me. It totally is. A deal breaker. We know. <laughs> um, how about this? And this has happened to people I know. Is it a deal breaker if he is a Swifty? Oh, you know, it's not a deal breaker as much as it is a red flag for an inevitable breakup. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Like, Agreed. it doesn't mean we're going to break up right there. However, I, I would intuit that we will not make the winter. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, does being a Swifty, is that like like you're a Taylor Swift stan or is that like occasionally or is it like she comes on the club and you're like no. you don't throw up? It's okay if you are okay if it comes on the club and you dance. You know, that's okay. fine. It's being a Swifty being mm, like being, a being like, well, you know, Taylor deserved the VMA or right. something oh like God. that. You that, know what I mean? When their icon on Twitter is a picture of Taylor Swift. I mean, yes. that's a definite oh deal that breaker. Is scary. All right, y'all. What if he voted Republican in 2004? When was 2004? George W. Bush's re-election. Yes, absolutely. I don't know anybody who voted in 2004, (laughs) so I don't know if this really applies to me. I think it's a generational thing. What if his parents voted Republican in 2004? You don't really get to choose your parents. parents. Yeah, Yeah. It would be hard for me to hold that against him unless he was a little bit too intimate with me. If I had to be Absolutely hold his parents against him. Yes. I would say that's not a deal breaker but it is a red flag a red flag it's a red yeah. flag I kind of agree with that yeah. people can evolve and you're you not know. your parents but you certainly are influenced and informed yeah. by them yeah. and you could be yourself in, in spite of your parents correct yeah alright is it a deal breaker if they're like super duper attractive yes six pack yes absolutely angular jaw yes absolutely cheekbones yes absolutely can't do it for me I'm, so, I'm sorry I like them I like them plain and thick plain and thick <laughs> and we all know Dennis strictly it's you know it's not it's not a deal breaker but it's a red flag is <laughs> <it>? <laughs> <laughs> Hot people can't be trusted. <laughs> Says the hottest person on this podcast. Oh, stop it. Don't talk about my friends Fran, that way. Fran, 
abolish hot people. <laughs> hot people are canceled. Yeah. Hot people are shunned. All right. Huh. What if he has a baby arm dick? B- breaker oh. deal breaker. I can't. We uh, like we could be friends. But <laughs> we can't be you friends. and the dick, or you and the man? Both. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's, two, <laughs> like, that's two separate entities. Signed, two sealed, separate. delivered times two. <laughs> no, I mean you can't have. It can't be that big, and we have sex regularly. Mm, that's yeah. just not going to happen. Logistically, mm. it's just it's not going to work. Unbreak I mean, my butt. I have the yeah. dedication Unbreak to make butt. that work. I think y'all are incorrectly assuming that just because he has a baby arm dick, he is going to be a top. I mean, he will if we're anything. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right, all right. This one is very personal to me. Is it a deal breaker if he's a Gemini? Listen, I as, as a Sag, we get along with Gemini's. I yeah, I was going to say no. You're saying no, it's, it's a deal breaker, deal but you continue dating them. Continue. I am you literally right now. Right now literally dating right a Gemini. Now. Well, we'll see. I just have no rules or boundaries. So I make rules <laughs> for myself. <laughs> Has this Gemini seen your Twitter feed? Literally do not have a single deal breaker. Because I, I don't love myself. I, <laughs> oh, Joe, true. That, I, that is, I love that is Gemini's. True. I don't love Gemini's as much as I love Tauruses, Virgos, and Scorpios, but I I really like Gemini's a, like a hard to date. A quick fourth, yeah, oh, wow. to date and to be companionate with. Interesting, mm. interesting. Yeah. Mm. Is it a deal breaker if they are boring? That is my biggest deal breaker wow. for me. Like that, is, that is truly like the number one thing that will have me break up with you. Honestly, like, yeah, because I think my my worst. Uh, the thing that that makes me the most angry is like if I feel like I'm wasting my time. Yeah, you know? that's my yeah. I just yeah. It, it, it's it's my number. It's truly my number one. If I think about all the qualities that I look for in a man, the like the number one thing is like you can't be boring. Mm-hmm. That's it. Dennis, no. It, it, I need to. I need to see their bank account. No. <laughs> oh my wow. god! I need to see the financials. <laughs> Dennis is going to get canceled. I, know. <laughs> I um, love that we're also like playing this game, uh, having met very few, if not none, of each other's significant others. <laughs> like true. I've only ever met one of Joe, two or of Joe's booze, maybe yeah, yeah, two yeah, or three. Yeah. I've yeah. never met any of Tommy's. Never met any of Dennis's. Is it a deal breaker if he has a share on Fire Island? That is a deal maker for me. I, oh, say, wow. I love that because I don't want to pay for Fire Island. Yes. I want to mooch <laughs> off of Fire Island. Right. You know I, what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't funnel money into that trash It's bag. not a deal breaker for me. It, it is if he expects me to go with him to Fire Island. <laughs> can, you imagine Tommy, can you imagine Tommy never. on Fire Island? No. I'm buying you the never. biggest beat sun hat you've ever never. seen. Oh, my God. This is Samantha from the Sex and the City movie. I, I will just say, yeah, the 60-year-old man that I did date some years Dennis ago. Dennis dated a 60-year-old man? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have a share in Fire Island. He had his own damn house. Oh, I love that. that. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like, I mean, Fire Island specifically, I think is just a magical place, Teebs. And I, I really went into it that, despite its reputation, one year from now, when we force you <laughs> to go to Fire Island... You will fall in love with it and not want to leave. I think you don't know me. (laughs) Actually, I think this, the fact that you are a counter predicting it means that I know you even better than you think. I don't think Mm. so. (laughs) Refuse. All right. All right. Is it a deal breaker if he is a pothead? Like always high, like wakes and bakes, smokes every day. That is a deal breaker for me. Ooh. And I say this w- to, without being drug shamey, without being shamey of like what people's relationships to like drugs of any kind are. Like I do drugs, all my friends do drugs. 
Uh, for me, I am such a go, 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 go person. And I've dated two people that, you know, were kind of awake and bake and go, go, you know, are high all day. And it was just not, it did not, it, it didn't work for me the two yeah. times that yeah, I yeah, yeah. It was just mostly like I felt like we were at different paces. Same. It's not a deal breaker, but when I've tried, it hasn't worked for me. Mm-hmm. Dennis? I'm, I'm open to it. It's not a deal breaker. Hmm. I. Yeah, I mean, if you have everything else that I need and you smoke a little pot, I just assume that's part of what keeps you doing what you need to do. Mm. And perhaps so, like them, like it's fine. And perhaps like them, you and also love to do nothing. So it's not a deal breaker for me if they go home at the end of the night. Ah, <laughs> All right. What about hashtag instigate? Breaker, deal breaker. Deal breaker. Deal breaker. <laughs> deal breaker. <laughs> all together now. Fran, 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 are you an instigate? No, fuck you. Well, they use hashtag instagay. No, I'm not an instagay because I don't use a hashtag. <laughs> I, I don't know if it would be a deal. I mean, I have, well, no, have I ever dated an instagay? I've dated you, hot people you on fucked Instagram. Them. I've had sex with hot people on Instagram. I've had, I dated. So it's not a deal breaker. Okay, okay. To answer it. your question, it's All not right. a deal breaker. Last up, poet. Deal, deal breaker, breaker absolutely not. not deal breaker never. Not, could no, never. No, 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 no. I could date I, <laughs> I, I could date a poet quote unquote <laughs> but I could never date like a poet yeah you I would love mean? to date someone more successful than me Def- mm, no that's definitely deal breaker for me Jericho Brown slide into oh my, my DMs Lord. oh my god Joe you can't <laughs> say that <laughs> um, we have to cut that <laughs> poets are definitely not a deal breaker for me I there are quite a few poets out there that I've that I have enjoyed. Oh. oh. <laughs> Dude, wow. Okay. I've had a good time. All, all right. Well, thank thank y'all for playing. Yes, um, we're you. going to be single for forever. Yes, thank you. <laughs> this message comes from iHeartRadio sponsor, Mercury Insurance. If you're looking to save some money, you should really think about getting a quote from Mercury because Californians save an average of $677 with Mercury. It's quick and easy, and in just a few minutes, you might find you could save a lot of money on your auto and home insurance. Plus, Mercury was named one of America's best insurance companies by Insure.com four years in a row. Low rates, big discounts, great insurance. Go to MercuryInsurance.com today to get a quote. It's crazy how much we have to pay for outdated, impersonal health care, and even crazier that we all just accept it. It's time to face facts. Health care is backwards. Luckily, there's forward a new approach to primary care that's surprisingly personal and refreshingly straightforward. Forward never makes you feel like just another patient. Backed by top-rated doctors and the latest tech, Forward gives you access to personalized care whenever you need it. Using in-depth genetic analysis and real-time blood work, Forward's top-rated doctors provide you with in-depth insights to better understand your genetics, mental, and physical health. They then create custom, easy-to-understand plans to help guide you to achieving long-term health. With Forward, you get unlimited in-person visits with your doctor and access to care anytime via the Forward app, all for one flat monthly fee. It's time to stop accepting backwards health care and start moving your health forward. Visit GoForward.com today to learn more. That's GoForward.com. For our next segment, we've got a slutty story from the Horish Archive, our Impure Thoughts segment, spelled T-H-O-T. T-H-O-T. And uh, our slut of the week is Joe. 
Hi, everyone. This story is super fun because it actually comes from a time that we were all spending together. We were in Portland this summer at the Tin House Writers Workshop. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we travel, we like to, like, dabble in each city that we go to, have a Mm -hmm. little experience. We love to get that hoe in the area. (laughs) Taste the local flavors. But I actually... The local local flavors. flavors. (laughs) Sorry, I had to stop there. (laughs) I really struggle in Portland, actually. It's just a city where, like, people might chat to me, but, like, no one really wants to hook up. And I've been there for a while. So I was actually kind of... I do very well in Portland. I was was sexually frustrated. uh, And it was like toward the end of the week. And um, I had been chatting to a guy in the evening. And then I go to bed and I woke up and he was like, oh, you should definitely come over. It's like 9 a.m. And I love a morning hookup. But he had nothing to do that day until the afternoon. Have you had your BM already? I I had. uh, I was actually. So I'm topping these days. Oh. Um, I'm I'm dating someone who's a bottom, and he sort of reminded me like how much I just love topping. And one of the things I hated was topping in hookups because I feel so much pressure, and then I feel pressure. And I'm just gonna be honest because I love you, sisters. I feel pressure, and then I don't get hard, and then I hate it. Like mm. if I know you, I can top you no problem. But in hookups, it's always been super stressful. Yeah. So that's an p- important mm. context of this story. This boy wants me to come over. He's verse, but he really wants to bottom. Mm-hmm. Right, so it's the morning, and I'm like telling him, "Well, I have to go grab coffee, blah blah blah, uh, so I can be over there around 11." He's like, "I'll make you a pot." So I'm like, "Oh, he seems sweet, you know." Mm-hmm. Uh, so I go over, and it's like 10 in the morning, and he's made me a pot of coffee, and his roommate's there, and he has a nice little place, and you know we're chit chatting, and he's super sweet, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm having coffee, and he's having coffee, and then he's like, "Let's go to the bedroom," and so we go into the bedroom, and. You know, I'm kind of like, I'm nervous because I'm like, I have to, that's top energy. I don't know this person. But as soon as he like gets on his knees, I am like, ding, 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 like yeah. ready to go. And it's just like this top energy that I newly have from like dating this person. Uh, and so like he's sucking my dick and I'm super hard. And then he's like, please. Fuck me. Oh my God. Like, well, first of all, that was disgusting that. and I hated you. I and did not need I, that. I, I do, um, honestly, hold it against you. Please. <laughs> yeah. But like, he, so I put a condom on and, and he, he can't like take me yet. But he does that thing where he's like, let me sit on it. Let me sit on it. So I'm like, okay, okay, okay. So the magic bottom is going to sit on it's it. It's like, <laughs> it's, it, that's it. That's the move for you. And then once I'm inside, I'm just like, I love Topping, like it's just really fun, and the boy is really cute, has a skinny waist and a fat ass, oh, and so I just start like nice. pounding him, and he's just like that bottom who just lives to be pounded, right? And so then I like turn Dennis him over, and I have him like <laughs> I do, I have him on his back, and then I have him on his front, and there's like music playing. And what music? I, like, what kind of music? It was, it was, it was sort of like that. You if know, you say Dave Matthews, Ben, I <laughs> swear to God, in the I mean, it was Portland, uh, so it could have been, but no, it was like that. It was kind of like sound class but like stuff that is it was like porn music like full-on porn music and it was doing that thing that i felt like a twitter top where it was like it was like his butt was going to the music and my like he was on his on his stomach and like bouncing (laughs) on a tiktok top tiktok top (laughs) (laughs) someone who makes porn just for tiktok so like so we're fucking it it's it's amazing i'm feeling really good about myself and then like i turn him back over on his back but then i'm like he's like asking me to start to come and i'm like fucking him really hard and I end up fucking him in a full 180 where I fuck him from his back to his side to his stomach that is extremely advanced the bed. Co- extremely advanced I wrote about it in a book called Nature Poem I call it Tornado <laughs> Fucking Tornado, tornado yeah. Fucking 
We're like, we're like sweating because he has no AC and <laughs> like it's the pretty fucking hot. Exorcist. Yeah. And so then yeah, he yeah, like yeah. starts begging me to come, and so like I come inside of him, and everything is. Great. That's so romantic. So we had like really, really. So long story short, really good sex. And then we're lying there, sort of in the aftermath. And he was like, "Wow, I've never really had a hookup like that." And I was like, "Me neither." It felt really. It was just we had good chemistry, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, there's a knock on his bedroom door. Uh huh. Okay, so I'm like a little weird, but not that weird, right? And it's his roommate. Because it's so a bed. It's also it's, it's the a, bedroom door. It's the bedroom like, it's door. Like it's not his like apartment. It's door. not. It's, it's just bedroom. a knock on the bedroom door. And I had met his roommate. We all chit chatted before. I feel pretty good about like him, and he was really sweet. And so his like we like cover up. You know, we're still naked. And his roommate pops her head in, and she goes, uh, uh, and I'm pretty sure his name was Hayden. And she goes, Hayden is downstairs. And the boy is like, ignore. And so I was like, hmm, you know, my little spidey sense starts going. And so the door shuts again. I'm like, so, okay, what is, so what's the deal with this? And he was like, well, you know, I had a roommate before, this current roommate. And I found out that he was stealing a bunch of stuff from me and my friends. So, uh, you know, we kicked him out, but he still had some things left in the apartment. So now he's been like harassing me to get that stuff back, you know, and he's like, I'll give it to him. But like, obviously I have company right now. He can't come inside right now. And I just don't trust him to be in my apartment because he's been stealing. Okay. And I literally said, gay drama. Yeah, here you here it comes. I'm going to go. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just, you know, the boy was sweet and everything, but, like, I don't need to be in this space you anymore. You got to go. You know, so I, I get I get put on my little shorts and put on my little tank top, and I'm, like, about ready to call an Uber when there's knocking. But I'm not in the bedroom anymore. Now there is knocking fully from the front door of the apartment. Uh-huh. Right? So the boy is in his little skivvies. I'm fully dressed and ready to go. But the the boy goes to the door and looks through the eye hole and goes, oh, God, it's fucking Hayden. So Hayden, like, got into the building and is now pounding and shouting through the door. What no. floor was this? Could you get out no. there? No. There is no other exit to the apartment, uh, right? What episode so, of Law and Order SVU is Exactly, this? exactly. Uh, so we are hell. on the third floor of a building. There's no other exit. And the boy's like, do you mind just like hanging out for a bit to let him go away? I because, do, like, in fact, mind. Because I want to get the fuck out I of here. I want to get out. But like, he's like, if I open the door to let me out, like Hayden will get in. And I'm also like, so when I was in the bedroom, I was already thinking about a gun or a knife as I try to leave the building. What? And now I'm thinking about like, if this person is like stealing and is now pounding on the door, I'm like thinking, about my brain is just going there my reptile brain is just like right. what am I going to have to worry yeah. about was a um, part of you like maybe he will have a gun and I won't have to be alive anymore I mean yes yes <laughs> I'm very I'm feeling very zen because maybe I'll get to die now um, so so I'm like yeah okay I'll stay inside and so we're all making the most awkward chit chat of all time what an obituary you know, like, like, like uh so what are you doing later today you know no, like, like no. You know, he's like do you want some more coffee and disaster I'm like, that's and so even I, worse the, i would just, like, oh, just fully open the door and be like <laughs> hey, kill me. stab me so um the roommate is kind of far away on the couch and i'm kind of standing in the middle of the kitchen and then the the boy that i had slept with is right at the door so he can keep looking through the peephole uh, uh and and we're in this arrangement and then all of a sudden the door pops open no. to the apartment no. because Hayden is a thief and knows how to fucking pick locks. <laughs> what? That's and so cool. The bananas. Bo- is, is, I'm just like, boy I am, scout. I am Wait, like, is so- Hayden single? <laughs> <laughs> he can pick locks. <laughs> 
<laughs> skills. Deal maker. And he has, has some dexterous hands. He has some <laughs> anger. He needs to take <laughs> it out on. Done, done, done. So, okay, so the boy goes and runs and puts his foot on the door like <gasps> you do when you're kids to like stop him from getting in. And then they wrestle over the door back and forth for a little while. Oh, my God. And so Hayden is still outside. The boy is still inside. And they're kind of like wrestling uh, and over the door. And then they stop and there's sort of, sort of stalemate in the fight. And I, I'm fully zen at this moment because I'm like astral I'm I'm not astral I'm very actually in my body uh-huh. because I'm like there there is not a zero percent possibility chance that I like might get in a fight or see a fight or like I'm, I'm really thinking about a knife at this point I'm like, so stressed it is so I'm I mean I wasn't feeling stressed but I obviously was going crazy yes uh, and so then they just start shouting at each other at the door and the boy is like oh you know you have to go you stole stuff from my friends and the boy is like give me my shit back and he's like you can have it but not right now I have company But so all of this is just being shouted Ooh. and then all of a sudden the boy who I had slept with tries to get this person out of the apartment again which means he's like puts his shoulder into the door uh, and then the other person tries to get in and they start doing it's it's full on fisticuffs at this point right oh like my they are like How punching each this other this the, at the door was a few minutes because they they fought over the door and then they argued and now they're fighting like mm-hmm. just actually fight and i'm just like fighting. the girls are fighting i'm like this is not what i signed up for i came over here at 10 a.m to have some coffee and to top and i did those two things and now please let which me which is leave. a really <laughs> crazy agenda if you think about it <laughs> coffee then topping that's I agreed i agree and you I know agree. how you bm too <laughs> yeah I fully Joe did not have to BM in between. I fully douched before going over there just so I wouldn't have to BM during the sex. Knowing you, the coffee would then make you (laughs) again. No, I I didn't have to BM. I didn't have to BM again for a little while, so that wasn't the problem. Do you poo at other people's houses? (laughs) I don't care for it. No, that would have been a great excuse to get. (laughs) Like, like, just let me just go to the bathroom. I have to, yeah. There was a bathroom in the apartment. <laughs> yeah, Dennis. you could have just like gone in that bathroom and stayed oh. away. Yeah, no. So, okay. So the they they fight. The boy pushes Hayden back out of the door, shuts it, and deadbolts it. Right. So there's a deadbolt on the door, and then Hayden is still outside. And so now we're inside having a conversation, and the boy's like, "I don't know what to do." And I'm kind of like, you know, I'm I would love to leave, but. You know, I'm stuck here. Uh, And the boy's like, well, I really don't. So then we actually start having a a conversation about abolition. (laughs) The boy is like, I I mean, not using that word, but the boy is like, I really don't want to call the cops. And I was like, yeah, police always make everything worse. I also suggest like trying to figure this out without involving the police. Mm -hmm. And so then we're brainstorming inside the apartment about how we can fix this like without calling the police uh, and so the boy's like I, you know maybe I'll call the super the building manager and see if they can just get him to leave since he's not on the lease I'm like yes absolutely let's involve just the you know the officials of the apartment complex that sounds great so then he's like shouting out the door like uh, you know I'm calling the super you have to go and after like maybe five or ten minutes more of this the, ba- the banging stops and he goes and looks through the people and he's like Hayden's gone you gotta go and then literally opens the door and pushes me out of it and slams the door and locks it again so then I'm in the hallway no idea where Hayden is uh-huh. oh my god you know oh, blood dear. on his hands no idea where Hayden is I like literally sprint I don't wait for the elevator because I don't want to be waiting literally sprint to the sign that says exit stairs and r- sprint down the stairs yep. and spit out on the street yup wow. I would have done the and exact it is same 10 45 in Portland <laughs> All that in under 45 minutes. Uh, it was, it was rough. <laughs> mm, it's kind of 
Portland, though. It's so Portland. Like, it's very Portland. I mean, I had done all the due diligence. I had sent, you know, I actually permanently share um, my location on my phone with one of my besties. Every single time. Mm-hmm. Literally every single uh, Just in case. I'm just like, okay, so this is person's yep. name. This is their address and their phone number. Yep. If I don't come back, avenge my death. And I did. I sent that person a text, that kind of 911 text. Like, I'm in a really bad situation and you know where I'm at. And like, please check in with me later. Uh, I had been talking with the boy that I'm dating about going on this hookup. And so he had been involved in what was happening the whole time. So I felt like as taken care of as I could. You know, we have sex in other people's homes. Like this yeah. is a thing, yeah, you know, yeah. you, you never really know if the person's home that you're going into is is as safe as you need it to be. Um, I was really glad that the, the boy was there and present to have a conversation about like not involving the state. That mm-hmm. made me feel really good. Mm-hmm. Like it felt like we got through the situation as, you know, kindly and respectfully as we could, but it sucked. Mm. Ooh. Yeah. I don't even know how I would deal with that. I think I would just not. I think I would just like walk on and yeah. be like, let me tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm deal with this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then and just like, fully open like, the door. Yeah, I'd be Same. like, open the fucking door. And I'd be like, you stay there. Like, just don't move. Yeah. Like, I'm not dealing with this. Yeah. I'm not involved. Like, just pause. Like, yeah. That, that is just so immature. It and that's unreal. another thing about like just people like that, like men like that. Like, if, if you are dealing with someone who is dealing with that, that's a judgment. That's a judgment on their character, too. Like, the yeah. things that you get caught up in are usually a product of like lack of care on both ends oh the boy fully asked me to come over and fuck him again yeah and you were like no and i was fully like no i think i think i'm really all set yeah i'm really got everything i needed out of that one thank you therapy (laughs) i love myself wow too old for that growth show growth real growth yeah Yeah. i'm so proud of you (laughs) thank you (laughs) not six months ago you probably would have gone back it only took 36 years i would have been like can we have can we have a threesome with hayden please no i you would have done that when we met you. Fully. That's where Fully. you would have been. <laughs> Fully. <laughs> Just let him in. We'll fool around. We'll fool around. Yeah. I'll, I'll fix it all deal. with my booty. Mmm. It's time we get to the meat of our discussion. The thought process spelled T-H-O-T. T-H-O-T. And our discussion this week is on anger. And honestly, Reelsies Talksies, I think my anger directs a lot of my behavior. Um, partially because like as a queer indigenous person living in a neocolonial imperialist, imperialist patriarchy, aka, aka being an uh, Indian person in occupied America, right. I'm terrified that if I actually express my anger, it will never end. Mm. I'm, I'm scared mm. of being consumed by it. And I mean, that's like a very... Um, like a, a historical and uh, uh, source of anger, but even in like passing interactions, I sort of find that when anger wells up, it's not always because of the action that's happening in mm-hmm. front of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a person who recently has become bicoastal, and I, I moved to Los Angeles, and I realized that like there was something happening inside of my body, mm. and that was that there was just like this ambient deceleration of like um like there was a 90% less uh there was 90% less frustration and anger in my life and i was like wow. oh like new york is such a contentious place yeah, because it really is. there's mm-hmm. so many people rubbing up against each other you just never get a moment alone there's always noise there's like shit on the streets it smells shitty it's rainy and hot and humid or it's snowy or whatever there're like so many complications that will fuck up your psyche right and um a couple summers ago i decided that one of the ways that i was going to get that out of my body 
Mm-hmm. Because they do think like, you know, doing some positive self-care really helps with the anger mm-hmm. um, that I was going to go to the beach at least twice a week. Mm. And this was in the summertime. Yes. And so this is actually when I started listening to podcasts. Honestly, it was because of that that I was like, we should probably do something like this. Because right. I'm listening to these all the time. And like, there are not that many interesting and funny people on this with like dynamics that are similar to ours. But anyway, so I remember um, it was a day I spent at the beach and I was just like sun kissed. My hair was all over the place. And I was just like. I was good. You know what I mean? Like I had a couple of sangria slushies at the Caracas bar. Refreshing. Yeah. And um, I was at the A train uh, at Broadway Junction. You know, there's like a really, really, really steep escalator. Yeah. Yeah. And um, there was this old lady, older woman. There was this elder standing in front of me. And um, I was just like, I had my earbuds in. I was like probably listening to some, I was listening to self-titled. I was just chill. Like blissed out. Mm. Yeah. And then she just kind of like, in front of me I was like uh and she like motioned for me to take out my earbud and she was like she was like put on some deodorant and I was like what and she was like so so rude rude." and I was like wait what and she was like you stink and I was like uh first of all I'm downwind from you (laughs) so you're smelling the person in front of you you ignorant bitch (laughs) second of all go to the dentist and fix your teeth before you open your mouth to speak to me And in one minute, all of that New York rage came back. And I was just like, I was feeling so good. And New York came and it slapped me right across the motherfucking face. And for a minute, she looked like she was going to slit my throat. And then she just kind of chuckled to herself. (laughs) (laughs) This is a very auntie move. Yeah, she was just like, huh. And then turned around and I was like, "Ah, I don't know how to feel in you, New York. You just collapsed after that moment. I had a very similar New York moment in that it was my first year in New York and I was coming home for the holidays. And it was on a flight. You know, I had a nine to five job by this, I think by this point. I was like on a late night home, a late night flight home after work. Um, back to Chicago and I remember the flight was extremely delayed like hours and hours and hours delayed so I was getting home in Chicago like at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning I was pissed I was upset flight was delayed when flight has delay issues like it just throws off everything everyone is a raw nerve everyone everything everyone and there's nothing that can fix it and it feels so out of your control and in addition to that because i was late um this is like before uber was a thing like before uber was like really booming and so like my parents were asleep so they couldn't come pick me up i had to like arrange right i had to sleep somewhere else that wasn't my parents house because i had all these different inconveniences so i was just pissed i just wanted to see my family i wanted to go home it was chris like almost christmas and um, we were waiting outside the airport, everyone that had gotten off this delayed flight. And, you know, the airport's basically empty. And there was one guy whose job it is to wave down cabs. Um, that's like his whole job. He he works, you know, at the airport. That's what he's supposed to do. And, you know, his job is meant to, like, help wave down cabs, especially when there's, like, an in- influx of cabs. And then he assigns people waiting in line to the cab. Right, right. At this particular moment, it's 2 o'clock in the morning, not a ton of cabs coming through. So he's trying to do the best he can and, like, get people to, like, pull over. And it's just, it's it's becoming difficult and people are just waiting. So it sucks for everyone. Everyone's waiting. And there's this woman who, mm. I don't, she was wearing a fucking peacoat and, like, a fur hat. And, like, I don't remember, like, she had, she was white, she had, like, brown hair. I don't remember anything else about her, but I just remember that she was, like, so fucking annoying because she was at first just like mumbling under her breath mm-hmm. and being like 
like, what the fuck is this taking so long? Like, it's mm-hmm. taking so long. Like, ugh, like, whatever. And then it started to get, like, louder. And she was kind of like, can't this guy do his fucking job? Like, like, oh. why, like, why can't he just, like, he's not, like, like, I'll, like, give me the, like, give me the, like, glow stick thing. Like, Ugh. I'll go wave the cabs down. That white lady entitlement bullshit. And then, mm. and then she starts to, like, get in his face. And so she's trying to, like, argue with this, like, t- cab driver. His job is literally just to wave cabs at two o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Like, like, there's, there's he nothing. He loves being there. I know. Yeah. And it, and so it reached a point where, and my, it, to my memory, he is, all, like, he reached a point where, like, he, the, the guy waving the cabs was crying. Like he, it was like, it was, and and this is a full grown man. Like it was in a situation where like everyone was in a boiling point. He was upset. This woman had brought him to the edge because she was literally just verbally abusing him in front of a crowd of people. Mm -hmm. And then I like, as she was talking, I was just like, Hey, fuckhead!" And she turns around (laughs) and she was like, what did you call me? And I was like, I called you a fuckhead. Leave him the fuck alone. Yes. Like, he's just trying to do his fucking job. We're all trying to get home. You're not more important than anybody else here. Like, everyone will share cabs. We're just trying to get the fuck home. So shut the fuck up. Obviously, ah, Brett, your it, anger is turning me on. I was so... <laughs> Justice warrior friend. I was so upset and not nearly as creative with my insults as Tommy. So like, you know, the, the fight <laughs> devo- the fight did not like devolve. It like escalated and we got into a shouting match. And like the great beautiful payoff was that like everyone was sharing cabs on their way home to split costs and to get out of there earlier. Yeah. When, the, when it finally became the woman's turn to get in a cab, no one would get in a cab with her <laughs> because she was so wicked and awful. And she was like, fine, fuck it. And she just like got into the cab. So it was like not my most shining moment, but it No, I think that is your most me. shining yeah. moment. Was actually. it though? I don't know. It's a good so one. It's such you. a good it was one. Really that's awful. like that's your movie. That's like the climax of your movie. I know. Hey, Fuckhead. <laughs> <laughs> I said it like that. Hey, fuckhead. Fucking fuckhead. Uh, I, um, mine is a little more personal. I think anger, anger and fights in general have higher stakes when they're not with strangers. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I had a, a, a moment of realization in college when I was with my extended family. My grandparents were both ill at this time. Uh, and I was, I was, I used to be very close with my grandparents, but uh, my mom was close with her parents and we ended up spending a lot of time uh, in Minnesota where they lived and much less time where I grew up in Washington because it was sort of, that became the nucleation of all our family gatherings was like, oh, you have to say goodbye to grandma and grandpa. But then they lived for like two years of almost dying. Um, and I, w- I had this moment in college where I realized that not everyone gets angry at stuff that's not fair. And at that point, I framed it around unfairness instead of injustice, right? Mm. But it was just like my my extended family, all white, was just talking about like dicking someone over to get ahead yourself. And literally everyone at the entire table of maybe 25 people except me and my mother were like, yeah, I would do that. You know, I would make money by like dicking someone over. And I, we were both just like, are you all crazy people? That's not okay. You mm-hmm. know? And, and it was this moment where I was like, oh, that is sort of extended onto the politics of justice. But I, um, my grandmother... Uh, in college, I dated a black woman, and my grandmother met her and loved her, uh, and then used um, the N word about mm. about her uh, in another conversation she was not present for, um, and I fucking lost it mm. uh, and completely uh, shouted and was sobbing. 
uh, and literally basically broke up with my family in that in that moment. Ooh. It's like the angriest I've ever. And you all, this is a, Whitney, my best friend to this day. Y'all know how much I love her. Yeah. And to me, it's like that was my chosen family. Uh, and and it was it was not even a, a, a difficult choice <laughs> at that time to be like. But I like fucking laced into my grandmother as she was like dying of cancer because I was like, how fucking like I just went off. Was it just um, like in casual conversation? It was about some um, a, a person had done a microaggression. Uh, and uh, I had talked to my mother about it, but word kind of got out that I had called. It was this white family shit where I was like, someone did a microaggression. Uh, you know, I sort of confronted them and talked about. I was I had called her a racist, and you know, it was like I had done the thing. She had done the microaggression, but then she was the victim mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I was making mm-hmm. a big stink about it mm-hmm. because and, she got called racist, and the, mm-hmm. and then that's what set my grandmother off, basically. Um, so yeah. Uh, I'm still angry. <laughs> about, about it. I'm angry on your behalf. Listen, yeah. I, me too. The, the temporality of anger is real because sometimes it stays with you. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so my story uh, deals with my um, former workplace, and but it's not like it wasn't anyway. A, a friend, a coworker of mine, this like allegedly straight white man um, that I had like. Relative, like we were like kind of close. Like we worked together for two years. We were kind of close, um, and we worked like kind of on the same like education team. Um, me and him and a couple of other coworkers all went out to this bar after work, and we were all just like we wanted to hang out, we wanted to get drinks, and they had hot dogs and trivia, and so we were like, yeah, we'll we'll go there. Like we'll have hot dogs and trivia, and so we're literally just hanging out and talking. Everything is chill, and then um, and this was like. This was like maybe a month after a seat at the table had come out. Mm. And this white man decides to tell us that he thinks that Solange is a no talent hack. Oh. And the only reason why she's even remotely noteworthy is because she's Beyonce's sister. Oh, oh my God. Wow. That's just ignorance. And That's just ignorance. <laughs> When I tell you, I truly am generally speaking, like, I don't really get that angry. I'm pretty, like, go with the flow. But when I do go get angry, like, when I actually get angry, it is zero to 60 mm-hmm. in less than a oh, second. Oh, I believe that. I believe that And about I am a Sagittarius, after all. And I, when I tell you, I can't remember what I said, I went into a blind rage. <laughs> <laughs> Courtesy of Solange. Courtesy of Solange. <laughs> and I read him for filth for five full minutes. The trivia tournament stopped. <laughs> I stood up at the table. And it was everything from his... Ign- I was like, do we even know anything about music? Do you even read music? And I even... And, I, and, and, I, and then I, I took it to the point where I was like, you know, we, we were working for an organization at the time that was all about empowering and educating young black and brown girls like and, and children and so then I went on that whole rant and I was like you work for this organization and this is the work you're trying to do and you're pitting black women against each other and there's no reason <laughs> like I went off my coworker who went to Spelman College my, my coworker and friend Lindsay she the next day at work she was like she was like it was like you left your body <laughs> and someone else took over this was is it, actually a, oh sorry no go for it this is actually like a really beautiful segue into like what it means to metabolize anger and yeah. like what you do with it after something that Joe brought up but also something that Solange does really well <laughs> and did really well with A Seat at the Table which is mm-hmm. one of the greatest albums to like ever 
enter like our generations like music fully scape. agreed yeah. music scape like it's, it's incredible and there's a song called mad and it's a lot of it is about me- metabolizing anger but the whole album is about that too how do y'all like um work through the things that make you mad even long after the fact uh, after the incident long after the fact right and it's it, especially with what dennis said about temporality and anger and how it could just stay mm-hmm. there honestly like it's what i've i've tried to use what i've learned is it's not that i won't be able to um that that if i open the bottle it'll ne- i'll never be able to put the cork back in or something mm-hmm. like that and i've learned that through performance Mm. Honestly, like getting on stage and an understanding that I do have, it's not that I have control over my anger, but I have control over the vessel Mm -hmm. and I can like open it and like let it out for a little bit. So I'm like literally shouting at the audience for being complicit in like genocide. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And then I can pivot to the next thing, which is usually like a joke. That's how I find my way in and out of anger. Usually Mm -hmm. it's like with the punchline. Mm -hmm. And I I mean, with the, with the lady in the telling her to go to the dentist before she was about to speak to me. I mean, that's a little bit of it too. Like, Mm-hmm. understanding that I can use language to kind of turn it but also that comes from like having to diffuse people in my life honestly in my childhood yeah, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. it's mm. also like that's that goes to show that like more often than not in situations of like heat or in situations of anger at trauma is somewhere in there mm-hmm. you know what I mean mm-hmm. whether it's them whether it's you whether it's you know um, your reaction to it is just a product of trauma like trauma is always like kind of nested into all the different ways uh, that uh, situations get mm-hmm. not so cute. Well, because if there's mm. like a if there's like a um, a core of trauma, then all of these like microaggressions or angers or whatever, they're just I've, in my in my mind anyway. They're they're digging deeper, and the, once they tap the well, like it can <laughs> explode. Right. Guys yeah. are yeah, yeah. old yeah. faithful. Yeah. yeah, it's like so often that the thing that makes us mad in the moment is not the the thing. It's no. not the it's not it's the not core that. of what we're upset it's about. Incremental. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I def- you know, I think about this a lot because um two of my favorite writers write a lot about anger. You know, and Audrey Ward has an incredible essay um called On the Uses of Anger, Women Responding to Racism, in which she argues that like we need to be mad about mm-hmm. injustice. Like injustice renders us angry, and to ignore that or to be silent about it is to be complicit mm-hmm. in the violence. And you know, James Baldwin talks about how being black in this country and even being relatively conscious is to be in a rage almost all the time so it's like anger can be useful on the one hand Mm -hmm. it's not just can be useful it's absolutely necessary if Mm -hmm. one looks at the world and doesn't feel angry I think one is not an empathetic human being Mm -hmm. but at the same time anger can just be all consuming to a point where it makes us miserable and it maybe even makes us a less effective activist Mm -hmm. or artist certainly a a less effective friend or lover or family Mm -hmm. member so it's like how do you all balance that sort of impossible Right. Well, and also, sure. I mean, even not just balance, but like how, when do you make it useful? When do you yeah. take that mm-hmm. thing and, and harness it and turn it into like something else? Mm-hmm. I think one of the, th- one of the things that I'm always thinking about that, and I always feel like it's like a constant balancing act that I have to play like all the time is like, when do I lean into anger that I might feel versus when do I try to like, I don't know, like place it in a little box and like work around it or outside of it. And I don't know if any of you guys were raised in this way, but like I was raised in like a middle class, like black family in a pretty white suburb in in the middle of Ohio. And so the idea of like walking around feeling angry about things was like sort of not okay. And I remember like when I really, like when I was in eighth grade and we studied, we actually studied the civil rights movement in depth, we would do these simulations that were like simulated like activism, like like mm. a lot of the different things that like Dr. King sort of led people in like sit-ins and things like that. Like we would simulate them. And the idea was to sort of 
you know, sort of calmly take the injustice in the way that many of them did. Mm -hmm. And we didn't learn about the anger that was around any of that at that time. We were in eighth grade. Maybe Mm -hmm. that's like arguably maybe too young. But I had to unlearn the idea that anger was only unproductive mm-hmm. that anger was only like unacceptable that you that that if i felt anger then i wasn't handling something properly like i had it took a lot of unlearning to begin to wrap my brain around the idea that anger could be productive mm-hmm. that it could be a motivating factor that it could move me forward and guide how i wanted to move in the world to actually make the world a better place mm-hmm. well and not even just that like anger is a human emotion and mm-hmm. and not even about injustice but sometimes bad things happen to you and we get angry and keeps what you're talking yeah. about at the beginning i'm from the american west where anger is not you know, people try not to act angry. It's certainly not in public, but that's why like that California or in Western repression of anger, it's like anger is a normal human feeling. And when you don't allow yourself mm-hmm. that, that there's, that creates problems in and of yeah. itself. I believe that, 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 that cre- that's what creates rage. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's anger versus rage. That's such a good point. And like, also no matter how marginalized or not marginalized you are, human life all contains suffering like the Mm -hmm. richest people grieve the loss of their loved ones and that is a trauma it certainly is and and when you you know the the problem with waspy white america is that the limit for emotions is particularly in public is so narrow Mm -hmm. you're not allowed rage you're not allowed deep sorrow and life contains those things so it's like it's it is anger Mm -hmm. i I definitely think about it being useful in activist spaces Mm -hmm. and artist spaces but it's just like also we need to have the, the capacity of that for life and so much of American culture is like about tamping down those dangerously like outmoded sorrow, grief, anger. You right. Know? When you're more concerned with civility than you are with suffering. Precisely. You know what I, mean? I think too, like growing up on a reservation, I wasn't raised um, around people. I can only speak from my experience on the Viejas Res, but there might be different other reservations. I don't know. Indian country, I'm not speaking for you. But um, where I was from, I never saw people get into fights that had resolutions that involved mm people walking away diffused i saw Mm -hmm. fights that led i saw i saw anger that led to fights like fist fighting everything ended in a fist fight Mm -hmm. not just in my family but in like anytime i saw public arguments i just knew it was heading towards violence yeah that was just like Mm -hmm. a given for me and we talk a lot about um love styles how we pattern our love on the way that we've seen love and i think i i also patterned my anger on the way that i saw anger being taken out on other people and so Mm -hmm. because of that you know yeah i think a lot of times either you when you have anger you like externalize it or internalize it and I definitely internalized it because I didn't want that to happen right I so I, I avoided getting into arguments with people because I thought that they were going to be swinging on me right. or I would have to swing on them right. and I didn't want to mm. I didn't want it to get there it wasn't yeah. until I was older I had more um, contacts with therapy and all that kind of stuff that I learned that you can actually have fights or you can you can argue with people and that they have resolutions and there's compromises and there's understanding Mm. And that a fight doesn't mean that it's the end of your friendship or the end of your relationship right. mm-hmm. or somebody's going to jail or the hospital. That's right. And that's mm-hmm. just like real. I had to learn that as an adult. Yeah. I want to spin this into a conversation about civility, which is like a really lovely word that you brought up. And I'm thinking a lot about how critics of anger as a tool or people who are like, why can't you just be civil about this? Or why can't you just, you know, 
taper it or tone it down on Work whatever it Mitch is you're McConnell. feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like when people say like don't be angry, like that's not useful, which I disagree with. Um more often than not, the people making those criticisms are either complicit in the oppressive forces Very or mm-hmm. the oppressors themselves. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And like they that's them trying to control your narrative. Mm-hmm. That's or that's them trying to not feel guilty. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's them trying to like take your reaction to whatever racism is happening, whatever homophobia is happening, and and kind of be like, hey, that's actually like not real. Yeah, like mm-hmm. you like fully gaslighting mm-hmm. and be like, mm, your feelings are not real. Oh, so, and yes. you know yeah. how to make a crazy bitch crazier is when you tell yes. her that she's being yes. crazy. Yes. Yes. You know what I mean? Oh like, my God. And then once you tell, oh, that ain't real. Oh no, mm-hmm. I'm I'm, I'm heated. I'm even more heated. Yeah. Yeah. Or I tell them calm down. In, in my interpersonal in my interpersonal fights, if someone is like, you're acting angrier than is necessary, that it just like throws me. But I I'm super interested in both of what you were saying, Fran and Teebs, um, about like healthy ways to deal with anger, like. Certainly, you know, escalating everything to a fist fight no. is not a healthy way to deal with anger. Teams is like, I don't but, know what you're talking about. But, you know, and I know, Teams, you talked about performance as, as a way to open the bottle of your anger. Can you all talk about ways that maybe in your interpersonal or artistic practices besides that, that like you feel like, oh, I'm really channeling all of this anger that I feel about the world in 2019 into something that feels less terrible or healthy or productive? Metabolizing anger um or learning how to um, rein in my reactions to things is a skill set that I've only acquired in the last few years. Um, and it's one that I kind of am uniquely indebted to um, the pocket Pemetrodron, which is mm. like a book <laughs> about Buddhist principles and like your attitude and mentalities toward things. And it helped me learn a lot and just like things that you already know about like how you are actually in control of your reaction to literally anything Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so long as you were able to meditate and take space away from the thing that is affecting you you can figure out what to do with it in a more measured way or not at all Mm -hmm. yeah or not Um, at all Mm -hmm. and and i think that that like that has been obviously not a skill set that i've perfected it is but it is something that like i just i don't deal with an inordinate amount of anger anymore. Mm, I, yeah. You deal with resentment. You deal with things that, you know, per, per, uh, perpetuate in your everyday. But like, you know, um, as far as like being angry, like yelling mm. at someone, like I don't really do that anymore. Yeah. And I'm kind yeah. of proud of that fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would say, um, again, like I, ha- I'd, I had to first like give myself permission to feel like I could lean into my anger and mm-hmm. like recognize that I was feeling it. But what that, gave me which is something that is still something that I often practice when I'm angry now is I felt like okay I'm angry about this situation and I'm giving myself permission to sit in that feeling like I'm giving myself permission Mm -hmm. to just like acknowledge it to feel it to feel it in my bones and to feel it in my fingers and know that like every other feeling that I experience it it will pass right and not have an immediate autonomic response to it exactly because then you're learning from it you're like because then you can follow the trail to like, what is this actually about? Yes. What, right. is, what is it about? And and if I do want to do something with it, once I'm out of that sort of blue rage state, it's like, okay, how do I how do I deal with this in a way that's going to effectively accomplish what I feel like I need to accomplish? And I and that's one of the like lessons that I feel like I learned just from like observing my dad. Like I never saw him like really lose his shit ever. Like if he was angry, he like would write someone the most sort of rational intellectual letter that really was like a read. Like he would read them for filth, but it was like just done so meticulously and it was like once I 
learned how to sit in my feelings, I then learned how to move on from my feelings Mm. and turn it into something that I felt like was useful for me so that I could engage with it as a tool. Yeah, Dennis Teeves. That's something that I like wrote down when we were writing for this episode. I wrote down, anything can be your teacher. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like your friends, your enemies, your trauma, your joy, your anger, Mm -hmm. like any... Anything can be something that informs a better you mm-hmm. and yeah. a better version of yourself, so long as you allow it. Um, and I and I, I really think about about anger and resentment in that way. And it's a it's been a long journey for me personally because you know not similar but not dissimilar to you, Teebs. Like I grew up in an extremely angry household as well. Mm. Like I grew up mm. with angry parents, angry uncles, aunts, um, grandparents everybody angry and shouting and other versions of fighting were how things were resolved. And that was a kind of anger that, you know, infiltrated a lot of my childhood and teenage years and something that I have really gratefully grown out of with a lot of work and a lot of reading and a lot of, you know, um, other things. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, one of the things that I think about when I think about anger going back all the way to um, both the story with my grandmother and, like, say, my 15-year friendship with the woman, um, Whitney, who was sort of at the center of that fight. Like, I made a choice um, with my anger with my grandmother that she was never going to change and she wasn't going to be in my life anymore. Uh, And essentially, she wasn't. Like, I cared for my mother uh, in going to visit her, but um, I didn't. I sort of wouldn't fight with her anymore because there was nothing left there for me. But one of the things that's been super important for me, I think anger in interpersonal relationships is is also something that's not talked about enough. It, it's so normal to be angry at your friends or your partner. I think if it never happens, that that's abnormal for me. It's kind of a red flag. Like, why are we never... You know, why we never have a fight. It's like normal to have conflict. And mm-hmm. it's, and then it's like, well, if I love this person, it's part of my job to like resolve this conflict as healthfully as I can. And that has been like a lot of therapy and a lot of like the, it actually going to therapy and learning how to fight with your beloveds mm-hmm. is one of the kindest mm-hmm. things you can do. Yeah. You know, not escalating it, of course, obviously to fist fight, but not escalating it to, uh, you know, um, to being mean, which we can, you know, it's really easy to, be, to turn anger into just like pettiness and to give each other space to give it, but while mm-hmm. arguing with each other and to, to do the thing where like, even though I'm pissed, it takes so much work when you're angry to keep your empathy and mm. it's not always worth it. I don't keep my empathy towards my racist grandmother, mm-hmm. but I do keep my empathy towards my friends. And I try to understand what it is that they're feeling, what it is that I'm feeling, and what is the nature of our conflict so we can work our way down to that and build. It's like I learned so much about my friends and lovers through our fights. Mm-hmm. What is the thing mm-hmm. that drives us both to this crazy emotional place? And like Alex Chi always says, pain is information. Anger is also information. Like yep. what is it that is driving this conflict between us? And that is a beautiful place. If you're, if you're with someone you really trust and be, can, if you can be kind to someone when you're both angry, mm-hmm. that's a green flag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? it really is. Yes, actually. Absolutely. Yeah. Come into my DMs if you can do that. <laughs> you can't do that, Tommy. <laughs> I mean, we can learn together. You know, we can oh. both be right. <laughs> mm. You know, I'm full, but I feel like I could fit one more thing inside of me. Dennis knows how I feel. Dennis, will you deliver unto us our dessert this evening? Listen, okay, so. Um, I'm sure you know by now that our beloved um, author Toni Morrison, the professor, as I like to think of her, um, has since passed. But 
right before she passed on the documentary film about her life that was done by her um, sort of career-long photographer, Timothy Greenfield Sanders, um, was released, and it's called The Pieces I Am. And it is absolutely bonkers incredible. Um, I was I was actually so grateful that it was out in the world for about a month, six weeks maybe, before she passed on, just because um, I think that helped to give the film a little more life. And also because the it was really interesting to sort of watch it and, ex- and, and, and experience it and then um, be aware of it again in the moment of her passing. But what I want to talk about specifically with that documentary, there are so many things to celebrate with Toni Morrison, but the documentary itself is an incredibly, I felt was an incredibly joyous experience and a joyous sort of look at um, her life, her work, her, philosoph- her philosophies, her teachings and her experiences. And so there's a couple of moments that I wanted to share that are super fun and then I want, I want to hear from you guys too because I know it's that like Fran so has seen good. it. Oh my gosh. It's so, it's literally so good. There's also really great visual art and I think really great music in it too. Um, but if you're a Toni Morrison stan, there's, there may not be a ton of stuff in the documentary that's news to you but there, one moment that was news to me was she talked about um, her decision to go to college and to go to Howard University. She grew up in Lorain, Ohio, not so far from where I grew up and she grew up in a family she has an older sister. They both had jobs at their local library when they were in high school. And when her sister graduated, her sister got married and stayed in Lorraine. And Tony was like, I, or at that time, Chloe, she was like, I'm going to go to college because I want to be, like, I want to be a woman who wears lipstick and who wears whatever color lipstick I want. And her family, they were sort of like, you don't wear that, like, take that off. So uh, she she was like, we ultimately decided to go, I ultimately decided to go to Howard instead of Oberlin. And she's like, let me tell you. When I got to Howard, I was loose. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. And then Ooh, she just like certified thought. <laughs> and then she just like kind of like jiggled her shoulders a little bit and chuckled and she was like, I mean, I probably overdid it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and then it panned to a picture of her, presumably on the football field, I think at Howard. And there's like six men around six, her. Six like football five players. Five or six football <laughs> players and her in the middle of them. And I was just like, it's so yes, funny. mama. Uh, oh my God. inappropriate it to make in. a train joke about Toni Morrison. Yes. Oh <laughs> my God. Yes, Only you. Joke Joe, stop it. I mean, the movie is such a beautiful, I mean, she is the ultimate auntie, first of all. Mm-hmm. Like she is just like auntie to the literary world. One of the greatest minds of our generation. One of the greatest literary minds we will ever have ever, period. Mm-hmm. And 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 for me, this documentary specifically provided a, a, a kind of closure because closure doesn't exist, but like kind of closure mm-hmm. that I never thought I would get mm-hmm. in the wake of her death. Mm-hmm. Like I was deeply upset that day. I had mm-hmm. really difficulty yep. working. Yep. I had to kind of clock out early. I was just like, I don't know what I can do. And I had heard about this documentary and it was screening at the Brooklyn Museum near me. And so I walked over to the museum and, and watched it. Oh, on the very day. Uh, yeah, they, oh, they were doing God. screenings and reaction to it. And um, and it was, I, I mean, I cried so much, oh, but yeah. also laughed with joy because they get the perfect sources for it. They get Sonia Sanchez, mm-hmm. Fran Lebowitz, Oprah Winfrey, mm-hmm. Hilton Alls, like all the best people, all the people that you want to hear from about her are in this documentary. And, uh, as well as a ton of footage of her herself directly addressing the camera. Right, exactly. Which I was not expecting. Mm. And I think within the first minute, mm-hmm. within the first few minutes, she is in front of the camera and talking to the camera. And I was just overcome. Like, I just had not had a kind of reaction like that, grief-related, that was so full body. I was just mm-hmm. like, seeing her 
on the screen. It was wild. So if if you had a really deep emotional attachment to her, I strongly recommend. Yeah. And if you don't, then you need to get one. You yeah, will, you will get you one. Need to get you will one. get one. Don't yeah. be ashamed of it. Go pick up a Dorian Morrison book. Yeah, yeah. today's the, a good as good a day to start as any else. The year that I won the Whiting, she was going to deliver the keynote mm-hmm. address at the ceremony. I remember, but that. she couldn't make it out. Oh, we were all there. You, you were, were all, all there. there. Yeah, yeah. And she couldn't make it out because of there was a huge blizzard. But she did write something new that was delivered by somebody else that I was still like. Uh, not mm-hmm. for me necessarily, but there was a sliver of me that was like Tony Morrison. Tony Morrison wrote me something new. She did. <laughs> yes. She literally did. She though. did. Ugh. She she was she was absolutely just no holds barred. Like not afraid of anyone. Went after everything she wanted, and um, you can hear more about that in the documentary as well. Again, it's called The Pieces I Am, and it's celebrating the life of Tony Morrison. Yes. This episode of Food for Thought is made possible by the generous, unequivocal support of Rosé and our new home at iHeartRadio. Our producer puts the dom in domino sound, Alexandra DePong. Oh my God. <laughs> and our social media manager is boning Catherine Zeta-Jones, Christina Tucker. Oh. <laughs> Subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes or we make Dennis wear their old glasses. Oh my God. <laughs> they wouldn't be able, be to, able see to see Oh, those were like duct taped together. <laughs> I am Tommy Teebs Pico. You can find me at Hey Teebs, H E Y T E E B S, on all relevant social media. I'm Fran. You can find me at Fran Squish Co on Instagram, Twitter, also Venmo, maybe CoStar, whatever you feel. <laughs> I'm Dennis Norris the second, and you can find me on Twitter at Booker T Foddington. Oh God! No! 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 no. no I forgot. No! Why are you it's like true. this? I'm Joseph Osmondson, and you can find me at www.josephosmondson.com. Find us on Instagram as Gay Sluts Who Read, and uh, join us on Facebook and Twitter at Food for Thought Pod, where each week we pin some questions at the top of our page to continue the discussion of this week's main topic. Sign up for our newsletter to see a list of everything we're reading and some extra delectable content at foodforthoughtpodcast.com. And finally, send your questions, thoughts, concerns, and dick pics to thoughts at foodforthoughtpodcast.com. As always, that's food, the number four, and thoughts spelled G-H-O-T. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Ma. See you next week. We're trash. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.